Lund, coast to coast, peanut butter and toast. Probing in the lane, fading away, whoopsie doo, don't mind if I do. In transition, denied by Hoyling. DeCam says, give me that, a pick two for Northwestern. Spot of three on the way, bang for Noah and the Erickson center erupts. Spread the love around, corner, pocket, cash for Lund. Officially, we're not quite yet to conference play, but still plenty to chew on. And this time, we are looking at the women's side of the coin with our season preview pod. We're going to make some predictions. There will be plenty of speculation. I know Wyatt loves to do just that. As always, Ryan Mitchell alongside Wyatt Morell. And Wyatt, we're just going to be straight up at the start. We're not making excuses, but there's a but. You and I both are still trying to get our voices back to the top level. So if folks listening are like, what were these guys doing? What's their problem? We're, we're fighting through it. And you know what? We're going to make it through because we have a commitment to this podcast. So with that, how are you doing, sir? Well, I'm not going to speak for you, but I'm mentally here. I hope you are as well. Uh, you know, you're right. The the voice, maybe not 100%. I know we both have had a lot of different games we've been broadcasting here for our jobs and whatnot, so there's some sickness going around. But like you said, we are committed. I think we're both, you know, mentally uh, here, ready to go, ready to break this down. We've done the research and everything, so even though it might not sound as crisp and clean as it normally does, we do promise, like Ryan said, said that we are indeed uh you know devoted ready to dive into this so i'm doing well i hope you're doing well uh also and it's uh, the women's preview here ryan and kind of a unique season i think up ahead there's a lot to dive into a lot to break down and it's going to be very similar to what we did for the men's one where we uh, give you our picks from eight to one give you a little team preview for each team and then of course the preseason player of the year and coach of the year as well so uh, I'm looking forward to it I'm sure you are as well yeah why well, and it's you know a good point that you bring up you didn't exactly use the phrase but I'll use the phrase that we did talking with all the women's coaches that we were able to already before the season even began it doesn't just feel like a new era on the women's side in UMAC basketball I think we can definitively say at least you and I it is yeah I mean <laughs> so many new faces not just players but coaches as well and so many things up in the air and these predictions could go so many different directions where you could have reasoning for having this team here or this team here, this team moving up, this team moving down. So without further ado, Wyatt, I know on the men's side, we began with going through what the coaches pick because we should start with that baseline, at least if people didn't see that with the preseason coaches poll. Now, we are aware of you know, the fact that this was released a couple of weeks ago from when we were actually recording this. I mean, we can timestamp this real quick. We're talking on Wednesday evening, the 15th of November. So this was a few weeks ago, Wyatt, but obviously it's still worth something. I mean, each team has played at least one, if not a couple of games, few games so far this season. So do we want to start? Is there anything you want to do before we run through the preseason poll as the coaches picked how they believe the conference will fall? 
Yeah, no, I think we just dive right into it with how they picked it, go over that, and then we can just hop right into ours. And like you said, even though it's a couple weeks old, I think it's still very relevant because at this point, there's only been uh, a couple of teams that have played more than two games or even one game for that matter. So this is still very relevant early in the season. And uh, it's kind of interesting on the women's side, too. I can run through them if you don't mind. I'll just start rattling them off here. But number one, uh, Bethany Lutheran, a team that was picked to win it a year ago. They had five first place votes. They were number one. Minnesota Morris building off of that success from a year ago. They're number two with two first place votes. Northwestern, number three, after all the talent they lost a year ago. And the North Central, they actually had a first place vote they're number four I always find that interesting when a team can be in the middle of the pack but still get a first place vote that really shows the depth of the conference and part of that too may be that they you know are the defending champions then of course you got Martin Luther coming in at number five which is kind of exciting for the Knights Superior they have a new coach over there as quite frankly uh, a lot of teams do here in the conference this year they're number six crown number seven and then Northland rounds things out at number eight so three different teams receiving at least one first place vote a lot of uh, parity coming into this year and uh, it's going to be very interesting quite frankly uh, it's got to be tough for these coaches Ryan when you come into a year like this where there's so many unknowns so much talent that moved on to vote on something like this I I I really struggled coming up with my rankings personally, just with the little I know. And I know the coaches maybe know more than we do, but still, I feel like there's so many different ways you could do this at the beginning of the season coming into this. There is, Wyatt, and that's the beauty of it, and that's uh, why we enjoy this exercise, but why we also give opportunities for uh, egg to be put on our faces, like we talked about Mm -hmm. in the men's pod, and you and I both brought up some decisions from a season ago that we wish we hadn't had made, but... You know, we try to learn from our mistakes, Wyatt. Like you said, when we were recording the men's pod last week, and we'll try to maybe adjust some things and pick some things differently, but we're probably going to make a few more mistakes along the way. But, hey, for this podcast, for these listeners, Wyatt, we're putting ourselves out there, and we're saying here we are. We're vulnerable, and uh, we'll see what we can get right. I'll just leave it at that. Absolutely. I tell you what, if I get all my picks right when we pick these games in the UMAC season, I uh, will be quitting this podcast and applying for a job at ESPN. Because if I can get that many games in a row correctly, uh, clearly I'm not uh, where I should be. But like you said, we're going to make mistakes. We're going to pick things wrong. We're going to get things wrong. That's just a part of the way this works. So uh, with that, uh, let's do what we did for the men's. Let's start with number eight, work our way down. Uh, You can go first with number eight. Of course, we'll alternate like we did last time. So uh, who's coming in at number eight for you? Yeah, at least to start initially, Wyatt, I'm going to agree with the preseason coaches poll, and I have the Lumber Jills of Northland College at number eight, there's a ton of unknowns with this team. Coach Tucker no longer at the helm with that program. First year head coach for Northland College women's basketball, it is Lisa Phillips. And I don't say this to be, you know, call them, calling them out and trying to knock on them, Wyatt, but the reality is she has her work cut out for her and trying to figure out what this team can be this year. It's a rebuilding program. And again, like, if anyone's watched UMAC basketball over the last couple of years, you just understand that with what they have coming back, it just is a rebuilding year for Northland to see what they can do. Last year, they didn't pick up a win in UMAC play. They just had one win overall in the season. They got one nice piece back, Miranda Wagner. She was a girl that I had on my 
fantasy team last year. I think she's a nice player, but from there, it's a lot of question marks for Northland. And, uh, yeah, for Coach Phillips, I think this year it's just laying the foundation, building a culture. I know those are all cliches for a lot of people listening. What does that really mean? But it goes beyond a lot more than just wins and losses this year as far as the top-of-the-line, you know, administration, if you'll, at North Central, North Central, excuse me, Northland College for how they evaluate Coach Phillips this season. So, Wyatt, I have the Lumber Jills at number eight. Yeah, I do as well. And, I mean, you know, they're coming off a year where they won uh, one game. They didn't get a win in UMAC play. And like you said, they, they do have Wagner coming back. She was an all-conference all honorable mention. But uh, it's one of those things you enter your first season as a head coach if you're Coach Phillips. And there's really not a ton of expectations for anybody regardless of the program uh, unless it's like an elite program, you know, for some reason. For instance, like, okay, at the Division One level, Duke, for instance, Coach K finally decided to retire. Like, okay, there's still expectations for them to have success. But normally when you take over a program in your first year, you're trying to get your players in there, your recruits, and just kind of laying the groundwork like you said. So for Northland this year, uh, I got them at number eight. Let's see if they can have some competitive games, a competitive rebuild if you want to use that phrase and see what they can do. But yeah, it's going to be an uphill climb for them. And uh, we wish Coach Phillips the best of luck. Maybe they'll prove us wrong. But uh, I agree with uh, you and uh, the preseason poll as well. I'll take uh, the Lumberjills at number eight. So with that, uh, hopping down to number seven then, my number seven, uh, this is where I am going to stray a little bit from uh, the coaches, and maybe this is a surprise for you. Uh, I'm going Martin Luther at number seven. Now, there is a lot coming back, including Heckendorf, who I can't remember. Did I have Heckendorf on my team last year, or was that you? You did. No, you did. It was me, and and hey, she put up some pretty big numbers at times for me, so no no disrespect by trying to put them down. Two-sport athlete, too, Wyatt. She's a pretty good center fielder as well in the softball diamond. I knew you probably already knew that. You're an elite UMAC mind, but just reminding our listeners. I appreciate that because, you know, that's great information. So even if I even if I didn't know it or even if I did know it, it's it's good to, uh, that you mentioned it. But, uh, no, I mean, she can lead them in a lot of different ways, and I think they do have some positive things to build off of from a year ago. They showed they can compete with each and every team in this conference, and the conference is wide open. Don't get me wrong. I still think they could do great things, but I do have them at seven. I think they're a little overvalued, at least for my taste, at number five coming into this year we'll see if some other players that we maybe don't know will step up that's usually the case for any team that has success or makes a deep run in the UMAC year after year it's always some of the players we don't know about that end up making a difference so does Martin Luther have one or two players on their team who we're not talking about right now Ryan that we will be at the end of the year if that's the case then absolutely they could be up there in the top five they could have a playoff spot and they could make some noise but right now not knowing for sure I'm gonna put them at number seven and uh you know still wish them the best of luck we'll see what happens but that's what I'm doing with the Knights for now so this is the uh, first disagreement, Wyatt, that you and I will have. And I'm not surprised because, yeah, I'm not surprised because, I mean, you know, even the coaches, they had him at five. I'm, I'm a little bit lower yeah. than most are going to be. You're, you're disrespecting Coach Garish. I not trying to. He did to you not personally, to. <laughs> but uh, so for some reason you don't respect them. So more for me on Martin Luther in a little bit, I guess uh, we will just leave it at that. I'm still going to be in agreeance with the coaches poll. I'm taking the Crown College pollers at number Seven, And I'm going to turn it over to you in a second, Wyatt, because you at least have one little tidbit. 
you can share about Bridgeport Tussler taking over. I've got over, lots of tidbits. <laughs> yeah, I'll hand it over to you in a second here. I'm looking forward to that. But he's taking over because, folks, in case you didn't know, Coach Leah Zabla, who was there most recently for Crown, is now the head coach at North Central University, going back to where she was an assistant just a few years ago. So a little more on that a little bit later. But obviously why interesting, interesting shift for them. It all starts and ends, though, with Mackenzie Latsky coming back for them. She's now a junior for Crown, and, you know, they also have back who also played big minutes last year for the Polars in their starting lineup being Amy Martius. Uh, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Uh, Martius and, and Latsky are going to be the leaders for this team. And then Morkin, you know, played some decent minutes as well last year, and there's some other names also down from there. But other than that, uh, Dom Urbina not back. She was – one of those big options that they had last season, Wyatt, in the backcourt. It was the Latsky and Urbina show. And for some games, Wyatt, I mean, they tested the top third, the top couple teams in the UMAC from time to time in stretches of games, including Northwestern on the road where they had to have a big fourth quarter comeback to beat the Polars in large part due to Latsky and Urbina. So with Batman back, but not Robin, if you want to put it that way, what does it look like for the Polar? So there is some talent there at the top, but there's also a ton of opportunities for underclassmen in a new recruiting class. And we know why when new coaches step in, every player that was committed to that program initially, obviously some of what it had to do with was the coach that was there. So when a new coach steps in, it's all up in the air. Are you still going to go to that school? Or even if you're a returner to the program, are you going to stay at that school? Or are you going to transfer because maybe a big reason you went to that school more than just the school, or let's say it's, you know, a 40% piece of the pie, or let's say it's, you know, five of the eight slices in a pie, even if you want to put it that way, Wyatt, was because of the coach. Because some of these players come from out of state and they say, I don't have any affiliation with Crown College whatsoever. I didn't even know what Crown College was. I didn't know where St. Bonifacius was until I got this letter and started talking with this coach. And so I was committed to this coach. And so for that reason, if they move on, I'm not sticking with that school. So all that is to say, there's some question marks for them that could surprise me a little bit. But with what we've got from other teams that I'll get to in a little bit, I have to put Crown at number seven. No problem. No problem. I can understand that. And I'll talk about them, and you mentioned you'll turn it over to me once, once I get to where I have them. So you go ahead now with number six. All right, so... Hold on to your hats, Wyatt, all right? This is where I, I will not continue the trend of agreeing with the preseason coaches poll. I like to play this game where I say, who do you think I have? But I know you don't always like to play that game. I'll save that for a little bit later it's, if you will. It's not that I don't like to play it, but, I mean, I got a one in six chance right now. So, I mean, <laughs> I'd rather you just tell we'll, me. <laughs> we'll play that game later. Yeah, so for number six, I have that team that I was just talking about, who is the defending champion in the UMAC, Wow. The North Central University Rams dropped from first to sixth, huh. in my opinion. That is where I have them, at least for now. And before we get too much further along, Wyatt, I want to remind people, just like we said with our men's preview pod last week, we're going to do this exercise once again. And now for the purposes of when we're recording this to when the next one's going to be released as far as resetting and officially locking in, sign, sealed, delivered, hand in the envelope for our final one through eight before UMAC play starts early December. That's less than a month away, Wyatt. We got mm -hmm. like three weeks yep. for the woman's side to make those adjustments. So this could change. But for now, I have North Central at number six. And 
I, where do we start? I mean, just to mention again, Coach Paul Bruner did a fantastic job there. A guy that you and I built a little bit of a relationship with. We enjoyed the times that we were able to get him on the pod and talk with him. And he obviously did a really nice job with them down the stretch. And we had a lot of questions during the season with them last year. Why we always said they had the talent. You especially always said that. And you were like, I'm waiting for them to still get to that A level and top tier that I think they can get to. For them, it all came together late February when you want it to, and that's why they went on the road, upset Northwestern, and then ended up beating Minnesota Morris in the UMAC final a season ago. Okay, so Bruner's gone, and it's back to what I was saying moments ago where everything then is up in the air as far as returners, recruiting. How do you retain the roster from a season ago? And some players were already going to leave because they were seniors and they were out of eligibility, but some other ones chose not to come back for whatever the reason we don't know obviously all those reasons with why some of them are not back with north central from a season ago but what we do know why it is it's going to look a lot different this year for north central and one of the biggest questions i have and you know this is partly tongue-in-cheek and this is partly like i'm being serious does it still hold the same level with the moniker hashtag downtown you why yeah. Last year, I mean, they lived and died by it. We talk about it all the time on this pod. When are they finally going to have a night where, yeah, they're putting up 20, 25 threes and they can even hit 35, 40% of them? Because a lot of times it was around that 30% number or even below it for a good chunk of games, and we were just waiting on it. Well, we know, Wyatt, if we want to look back at what Coach Zabla did at Crown last year, her club also liked to shoot the three ball a lot. Mm-hmm. So was that part of the deal in the handshake agreement between her and the top level of the administration at North Central University to say, hey, we got to keep this moniker. So, Leah, do you agree that you're going to shoot X amount of three balls with your team and that we're going to, you know, uphold this standard of people walking to Clark Danielson and they see the balls being thrown up from downtown? I don't know. Was that contract. discussed? I'd love to see the contract. <laughs> now, I mean, now that you mentioned that, just to see. But I'm going to guess that's not in there. But I get what you're saying. Yeah, so I'll skip ahead to talk about the players specifically because that's probably what people care about more than anything. Joelle Talso, I mean, she's the biggest name that I'm watching. She can shoot it from deep. She's had some big performances that I've even seen in person where she's gotten hot from time to time inside of the Erickson Center when they've played at Northwestern. She's a starter for them. She's one of the leaders back. Her um, and her sister both back this year, I believe, for North Central. But then, I mean... You know, when we look at the starting five from a season ago, Wyatt, and who was playing in that UMAC championship game, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, when they beat Minnesota Morris on their home floor in that final day of February, okay, it looks a lot different. I mentioned Telso, but in that game, she was one of the five starters. The other four aren't back. Hagstrom, Robinson, DiGiorgio, Conte, all gone. Beth Shield, Mary Seegers off the bench no longer with the program. And the only other player who played a few minutes in that game was Vanderpleg. She's back and she's starting, but still not a lot of playing time experience, and she's still listed as just a sophomore. So lots and lots of questions with this team. And I'm glad you brought it up earlier, Wyatt, because last year matters to a certain extent, but, man, you'd be hard-pressed to find in recent years, I think, Wyatt, if you look back, on the women's side, a UMAC champion one year, having their whole squad, coaching and players included, looking so much differently the next year. I would be fascinated to know who picked North Central as number one. 
because just right now, just being straight up and honest, and this league is wide open. It's maybe as open as it's been in a long time. I, I, I still do not see a path where they would win the UMAC this year. And Rams fans listening, some of them throw egg on my face, fine, and say you're you know, not really in the loop. You don't really know what's going on, what Coach Zabla is doing, the talent that she has coming in with the new crop of players, the freshmen that are going to get playing time experience that she's brought in, players that maybe were sold on crown that have now came over to go to North Central. I could, okay, we'll wait and see, Wyatt. But with what I've seen early this season, and as we've mentioned in podcasts past, and I'll mention it in this one as well, we don't want to take too much stock into these early season box scores in these non-conference games because – a lot can change during the course of the season, but they do show for something, I would say. And, I mean, in their last win, Wyatt, against a team who's just, frankly, not very good at all. We talked about it a little bit last year. I'm not going to go deep on Alverno just because I don't really know a whole lot about him. But, again, the big question I have and the thing that I look for because it's been an identity of what we've seen with her teams in the past is the three ball. They won the game, but they they were 5 of 32 from deep. And not not ideal. Not, <laughs> not ideal. I'm not sure uh, the post plane that they're going to get. Vanderplay could do some things here and there. But for me, why Joelle Telso has got to be like first team all UMAC, and she's got to be a marksman from outside, and she's got to be facilitating at a high level, not turning the ball over for them to be in the thick of, you know, the one, two, three near the top of the UMAC. She's got to be like all first team, I think. You know, on the men's side, when I mentioned Noah Conagieser is the guy I'm watching, if they're going to rise to that next level. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's bizarre saying it with North Central because it's not the same as Morris on the men's side where they're still looking to get to that next level because you're like, well, last year North Central won the whole stinking thing in the postseason tournament after they were in the regular season, the number three seed that they finished. She's got to be exceptional because if she's not, I don't know where it's coming from. Maybe it comes from a freshman out of nowhere and I don't see it coming and, you know, People can throw snowballs at me later this year, but right now I have a lot of questions, and that's been a theme early for me with these first couple teams at 8, 7, and now 6, the North Central University Rams. Well, I'll say this. They're not one of the teams that I think can't win it. You mentioned you don't see a path for them to do it. With how open it is, I still think they could. They're one of the five teams that I think they could. I'll get to them in a minute because at number six, I have Crown, and they're one of the teams I don't see a path uh, for them to win it. So, like, for instance, Crown at six, and then, you know, I had Martin Luther at seven and Northland at eight. Those are the three teams I just, I'd be really surprised if one of them win it. North Central, I'm not going to put into that category just because they are the defending champs, and it's it's just one of those things you never count the defending champs out no matter how different the roster makeup is. I'll get to that in a and second. The, and though. the coach. All and the coach. I get it. I get it, Ryan. I get it. Crown College, though. Okay, the Polars. Officially the Polars. I got them at number six. As far as the players go, I mean, Latsky's going to have to be the one that leads the charge for Crown this year. And Coach Bridgeport-Tussler in his first season, I think she shot like 20 times, 21 times. Sure enough, I don't have it pulled up now when I needed it. But I was looking at it earlier today in their, their first game. She shot a ton. She's going to have to throughout the course of the season kind of be that leader for them. There's pieces that they need to kind of surround her and fill in, and they have some other people coming back as well. But Crown's a team that I can see being feisty this year. And and here's the thing with, with their coach. Uh, Bridgeport Tussler was a guy, won a state championship in high school, went to Osu. He played against my brother, so this is how I know all of this. Uh, an, or- then, an Oriole, correct? Are those the Orioles? 
Yes, and I always call them the Oreos because, you know, I can't say that word, yeah. right? So then it's like the cookie. So It's <laughs> hard to say, especially it's, when you're it's growing a weird up. One. Yeah. Yeah, yep. It's a weird one for me, at <laughs> least personally. I'm sure most people are thinking, what the heck are you talking about? But, uh, yes, they, they won that uh, state championship. I can't remember the year now, but uh, they hit a game winner on the baseline. Uh, Tyson or something who ended up playing uh, Division One as well, the big guy, six foot ten guy. But anyways, uh, so he's on a championship team there. In college, he goes initially, starts playing football. I can't remember. He went went to some Division One FCS school or, or something like that. Ended up coming to Bethel, playing basketball, played for Bethel for a while, had a very successful career there. And now he coaches, uh, I know, for Crossfire, AAU. Uh, his wife was a Division One basketball player, Brad Davison's sister, our guy Brad. So, I mean, there's all sorts of connections with basketball when it comes to Bridgeport Hustler. He's a guy that's been around the game since he was very young. He's had a lot of success, whether it's playing, now coaching. So uh, they're in good hands there. I think it's a good hire. He was the Monticello head coach, I think, for a while uh, here in the Twin Cities. So uh, he, he's going to do a lot of great things there. Again, first-year head coach. Maybe it's going to take some time. But, yeah, I'm excited to see that program grow over the next few years, and we'll see what they can do in year one under there, but I think Latsy's going to have to be the one, an honorable mention all-conference player a year ago that leads the charge and is maybe somebody we're talking about at the end of the year as one of the best players in this conference. So I got crown at number six. With that being said, and those are all my tidbits on Bridgeport Hustler for now, we got to get him on the pod <laughs> at some point, okay? I, yeah. I, I'm sure we will. And we'll make it happen. But if you're looking for more, uh, that's that's really all the the information I can provide at we, the moment. We could, so we could talk with him about football for for five ten minutes wide. He was the AP Player of the Year and the Metro Player of the Year, and oh, was right. Mister Minnesota Football all in 2012. I forgot about that. Yep, you're right. So and that's why he initially went to play football. And I can't remember where, but then he ended up choosing basketball. And I can't remember. He might have done both at Bethel too. Then he may have ended up playing. Uh, both, but I can't remember. So yeah, he, so he played football at South Dakota State. So you that's, were right yep, about yep. FCS, and that's high level FCS for people who don't know. But yes, anyway. so so he started there, and I can't remember if an injury caused him to go to Bethel or what the deal was. But then he was playing uh, for Bethel, and he had a pretty good basketball career there as well. So uh, yeah, no, we wish them the best of luck, and he's uh, he would be a fascinating uh, interview. I think people would appreciate that one. So we'll see what we can do to get him on the pod. With that being said. Crown number six. I do have North Central in number five. And it's how, how odd is it, Ryan, that we have the defending champs down at five and six and the coaches have them at four. Like, that's got to be unheard of if we were to look back at the past years and, you know, just where defending champs usually are ranked. A lot of the time, it's number one. A lot of the times, yeah. at the very least, it's in the top two. So it's very rare territory here. For North Central, you mentioned it though, new coach, and a, a lot of that has to do, uh, you know, maybe with the roster makeup being a little bit different this year because, you know, Coach Bruner, uh, he was there. He went through it with a lot of their players that were there a year ago, you know, and, and watched them kind of grow up, come through the program, and they finally got to the mountaintop. 
And quite frankly, once he decided he was going to go, maybe that's what made the rest of them decide to move on as well. So with that being the case, Coach Zabla takes over a program now that is the defending champion. They were 24-5 and a year ago. They end up uh, going on that run in the tournament, and now uh, some big shoes to fill. I will say this. You mentioned the downtown U piece, and if they are going to keep that, if that's in the contract, whatever that may be, just remember this. Mario Cristobal just got to Miami College Football, and he says, now nah, we're getting rid of the turnover chain. That's stupid. We're here to win games. Well, it's not working out so well for Mario Cristobal, yeah, so be careful. Say, that work? <laughs> be careful how much you want to change a culture. I personally think they should be keeping downtown U. Don't throw it away. Uh, I understand you know, the concept and everything about wanting to do things your way, but some things need to stay, and I think downtown U should stay. So that's my piece on that. With that being said, North Central's in an interesting spot. Like you said, there's just not a lot of production coming back. I'd be really interested to see what the number is as far as returning points go. You know, the percentage of points of people that are back versus people that are going to be new this year. And it's just really too early to tell what kind of a team we're going to get with North Central this year. I still think there's a path with how open it is. I just don't know enough about the next four teams we're going to discuss as we get into the top four. But for right now, I'm comfortable having North Central at five and saying if certain things go their way, maybe they can win the championship, put themselves in a position where uh, they can go back to back. But for right now, preseason, in this moment in time, I'm going to have them at number five. Yeah, I don't know the number wide. I wish I could just give you that number, but the percentage of returning production, it's a small piece of the pie. I mean, you better have something else there to eat as well because you're mm-hmm. not going to get filled up on that pie. Good apple pie, berry pie. You're oh, a pie no, guy, right? No, not apple and berry. No? Are you out of your mind? The, there's only a couple kind of pies that, that should even be considered being consumed. Pumpkin pie is one of them. And then you got your But French- only on Thanksgiving or whenever? Uh, around Thanksgiving, uh, I'll say that go. it okay. is a seasonal. But you have to have it on Thanksgiving. Pie. Well, yes, yeah. If, if, if okay, I'm going to have a piece of pie on Thanksgiving, I'm for sure. It, it's got to be pumpkin. You got the French silk, which is you know. Yeah. Uh, 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 no, yeah. come on, you have to. Have it's some overrated. Silk. It's overrated. Uh, yeah, and and yet you you give me apple pie. I mean, apple pie is the blandest thing. You haven't thing. had a good like, apple that's pie. The most, that's you like the simplest, most traditional thing ever. Like talk about okay. overrated. Why go to Costco, get a, the the massive pumpkin pie they got, and an apple pie, and then get back to me. I feel like you're trying to flex on me right now because you shop at Costco or something. Like good for I'm you, Ryan. Trying to I flex mean, on good, you. Good deal. Good deal. But it's where the fam goes for a big Thanksgiving get together. All right. That's good because they're the ones that do bulk, right? So I mean that makes yes. sense. Oh for, yeah. For Thanksgiving. Yes. I can I can respect that. We don't need to talk about this anymore. But uh, <laughs> you're right. They're going to need more from their pie this year at North Central than uh, what they have coming back, I think, to initially have success. So there's going to be some problems early on in the season, but I think it's workable out, and, and, you know, they can work through that and see uh, maybe by the end of the year if they can piece it together in Coach Zabla's first season. So now is where it really starts to get interesting, Wyatt, maybe? Maybe. I don't know. It's been interesting, I think, already. (laughs) I mean, I think it kind of has been, too, but who do you have in number five? Let's see. So, obviously, I don't have the Rams because I already said the Rams, so i got to come up with somebody else. I have another team with a first-year head coach. It's the UW Superior Yellow Jackets. New head coach, Wyatt, Emily Carpenter. A player, Wyatt, that you and I in the not-too-distant past were calling out her name in the Erickson Center when we had the headsets on watching Northwestern women's basketball, and she was in the gym for the Jackets. 
shooting three balls. She's second all-time in three-pointers made in program history. Wyatt, she just graduated from Superior in 2020. Yeah. So she's not old at all, and she actually most recently spent the past few seasons as an assistant softball coach at Gustavus. And now she's the head women's basketball coach at Superior. So how did that happen, Wyatt? It's a great question. <laughs> I, I have no idea for sure how, how you go from softball to uh, uh, basketball. And just at such a young age, too, I mean, for crying out loud, Ryan, we were calling her games back yeah. in college, and now all of a sudden she's going to be. And it does say on their website, I looked, it says interim head coach. So is this, like a one, is this like a one-year deal while they search for well, somebody else? And then if she ends up doing a really good job, does she exactly. keep it? You know, we just we don't know for sure. But right now she Ru- is going to be the person for this year. Yeah, rumor has it it's a prove-it year, just like it is for Jeff Saturday for the rest of the year in Indianapolis, and that's the last time I'll and he's up, Well, he's off, to, he's off to a good start. <laughs> so if, if Coach Carpenter can get off to a similar start, you know, we'll see what happens. But, yeah, no, I mean, it, it's going to be really interesting to see what she does there. I like it because she's a former player, and quite frankly, players sometimes can end up being the best coaches because they – they see the game up close, and a, a lot of players, quite honestly, play like they're the coach on the court. You know what I mean? Yep. Absolutely, Why? And we talked about it so much a season ago with the changes that we saw with the Jackets and now Coach Otto Fisher leaving the program. They want to infuse some of the past, not to say, like, we're not excited about the future, but, I mean, she was on two superior teams that won the UMAC had a tournament title, and because of it, got to advance to the NCAA. And like you said, it's a great point. Like, if you're a point guard, you're kind of the coach on the floor. You know how to run things. And for, you know, some people, not everyone, though, you have that gift to translate that into teaching, into coaching, and playing off of your experience. So for these girls playing on this team, whether they be returners or freshmen, she doesn't have to go far to say, like, I have been in your shoes, and literally, like, not that long ago whatsoever. And I feel like why it's a movement in a lot of sports, not just – intercollegiate athletics and division three college basketball that we're talking about but how important it is to relate to these young people and i say these yeah. young people why you know you and i are just a few years older but I, I even look at some of these 19 20 year olds and i'm like you feel like you grew up just when i hear from you talking to you and then you know watch how you operate if you will it feels like you grew up in an almost different world than i did i mean it's just so much different in relating to these players, and I'm not trying to say because I have no idea if that was, you know, something that Coach Otto Fisher had a tough time doing. I mean, it is tough, really, really tough to keep a program at that high standard that they had been for so many years when we look back in that kind of ending now within the last couple of years. But it's interesting surrounding that program wide. I mean, what are the expectations? And then circling back to what we said a few minutes ago, you know that the athletic director and the high level of the administration at Superior they at least got to have a number in mind, Wyatt. Like, she's got to at least get to this number of wins or have this much success in UMAC play for us to at least consider braiding her back and removing the interim tag. And for Emily, you can say, guess what, Wyatt? What a massive opportunity. I mean, I get asked to do this. Why would I say no? Because guess what? If it doesn't work out, I'm still incredibly young. I I don't know, like, what her professional aspirations are. If she'd want to go back to coaching or – or excuse me, coaching softball or go to basketball at a different level, like what a huge opportunity. And I'm sure it can be stressful, and I'm sure it is stressful start of the season and trying to figure things out and get ready for UMAC play, but I hope she's enjoying it and 
it's another one, Wyatt, where you talk about Bridgeport, and obviously he'd be fun to have on for a number I, of reasons. I was just and... going to say, yeah, no, we get, this is another one. we got to get her on the pot as well. I mean, yeah. I feel like that's the case with a lot of these new coaches. There's just so many interesting things we could learn and uh, dive deep into. So, yeah, for sure, we, we will have to get her on at some point. And I feel like for Superior this year, Ryan, as much as we're talking about her, you could argue one of the best players coming back in this conference is going to be their yeah. leader, Christian, and just what she's going to have to do, right? Absolutely, and she was on your squad last year, Wyatt, and there were some moments where she wasn't able to play, and we talked about it so much, and like you could see the massive difference with the Jackets when she was not on the floor. And so when we look at you know what has happened recently for them and starting this season with what's gone on, I mean, literally, like I said, we're recording this Wednesday night, the 15th. You know, shout out, Wyatt, another one. UMAC over Mayak. They absolutely dominate St. Scholastica in Superior, Wisconsin tonight. Kaylin Christian Wyatt leads the way. Only played 22 minutes, but ultra efficient. 4-9 from the field, 3-6 from deep. We know she's a three-point shooter, and she had a huge impact on that game on both sides of the floor. Three steals as well in limited time, as which Carpenter, you know, wants to see a number of different players. So not only do they get a convincing win, she gets to see a lot of people get in the game. And when we look at a season ago, we talked about it why it was so many coaches leading up to the year. I remember talking about it with Coach Jones and Grove and Coach Call. Like the last time that they've seen this many players, when you look at the first team and second team all-conference from a season ago, how many of them are back? Why, like legit, and we're not, this isn't a fib, we're not lying. When you look at the 10 names, first team to second team, there's one name back, and it is Kalen Christian. Dun, four dun, superior. Dun. Yeah, now a senior. Was second team last year, and I'll put you on the spot, Wyatt. Is she going to be first team this year? With all those names gone, Kaylin Christian, will she be a first team? No, I I think she has to be just from the standpoint of, like you said, she's going to have to be the leader there for Superior this year if they want to have success. Uh, Again, with a new head coach first year, I mean, uh, it's one of those things. This is kind of interesting. Uh, I, I just thought of this now with when carpenter graduated for are there players on this team that would have played with her like freshman you senior re, year or something i mean that's I'm gonna that's find kinda, that answer in a second and, and yep. is that kind of weird almost in a sense i mean i feel like that'd be is it weird or good i don't know i mean it, i that's that's what i'm trying to say though like i don't know how i would feel about that i guess as a player i'm thinking like who are the people that i was teammates with in college on the baseball field where i'm like okay yeah i'll, I'll have you be my head coach now like that just seems weird you know i Anyways, not to get off the point, but yes, I think that she'll be first team all conference. And if they have success this year or going to have success, I think she's going to have to be. She's going to have to produce the majority of the volume. Yeah, I'm trying to find that answer right now. No worries. No worries. I'm going to have it in one second. So, and they're your tap dance. So, tap dance. Well, I was going to say, so they're your number they were your number four five 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 okay so they're your number five i already said my number five so we're getting into the top four now once once we find this out and then uh of course we'll still have the player of the year and the coach of the year to come yet here on this preview but i mean just from going through teams eight through five you can see the parody in the conference this year the storylines there's just so many unknowns uh as to what to expect so uh, it's gonna be a fun year that's for sure so 
Uh, I don't know if you are going to be able to pull that up right away. Who, who's your number yeah. four? Do you want me to just quick? My number four is superior. Go I'll ahead. just I'll I'll do that. And honestly, for the same reasons you had kind of just said, it, it, it's going to be really interesting to see if they can restore that great tradition that they used to have there. My advice to Jackets fans, again regarding their dynasty that no longer is, don't cry because it's over. Smile because it happened. What a great run it was. Sometimes it's time to just move on. And and, you know, you got to start a new dynasty. So maybe they can do that here with Coach Carpenter now. But their dynasty that they used to have, that is without a doubt gone. It has been now for a year or two or a couple years. So we'll see if they can get that rolling again here. But it's a new era for them, as it is many teams in the conference. Uh, Christian's going to have to be one that leads the charge. I'm excited to see the kind of volume and number she puts up. And going back to the win over Scholastica, if you beat Scholastica, quite honestly, that's like worth double points, I feel like, in the UMAC versus my because <laughs> they were a former UMAC team. So beating them, yep. it feels twice as good, quite frankly. And we've had two UMAC teams already do it this year with Northwestern on the women's side as well. And then, of course, Northwestern on the men's side beats Scholastica, uh, I believe, as well. Uh, or no, who was it? Uh, Superior on the men's side beats Scholastica yes. uh, as yep. well. So, I mean, it's it's already happened on both sides. So we love to see that. Yeah, not not to get off track, but you know, Northwestern men's basketball is playing. Speaking of Saint Scholastica tonight, so that's that's on the other side of the coin, and I can give you a real quick score here because again, we are recording this on the the fifteenth this Wednesday night, and of course, they've already flipped over the well, last stats. Okay, this and, may take and, me a second, and, but anyway, know, it doesn't matter. And yeah, doesn't remember matter. women's preview, Ryan. We don't <laughs> we don't is. need to go too far. We'll that direction, we'll update but... that on the on the next spot. How about that? But to answer people's questions, and since you know you and I are just dying to know for one. Down the stretch, in February of 2020, when they're in the UMAC conference tournament, she didn't start, but Kaylin Christian was coming off the bench. Is Emma, Emma, excuse me, Emily Carpenter? My apologies, leading the way as the starting point guard for the Jackets. So yes, indeed, Wyatt, they were on the floor. It's crazy together in the 1920 season. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. That like if that's good or if that's that's just too <laughs> some weird bad some bad memories or... some bad blood. <laughs> Well, not not that they again, not that there's any issue or they don't like each other, but when you play with somebody that's almost your age, and then all of a sudden they're coaching you a year later, like as the head yeah. coach, it's got to be a little weird at first, I would imagine. That's just that's a unique situation. I mean, right? I'm not wrong in saying that. No, you're saying it, it could be tough for Kaylin to flip that switch in her own head. You're saying to switch it to like, yeah, maybe not now. so much. Yeah, exactly. Maybe not so much for Coach Carpenter now, but. For Christian, I mean yep. that's that's a very unique situation, and anybody else that may or may not have played or have been on the team, you know. Yep, it absolutely is. That's something to, something to follow for sure. But I think we uh, both agree that she's got to be a key part for this club this season if they want to have success. So you have the Jackets at number four. Does this mean I now have to release my number four? Yes, because now we're off, or we rotated while you were looking <laughs> okay. that up. So you go four and yes. three, and then I'll release my three, and then we can talk you know, about the top two teams that we have remaining before we reveal them like we did uh, on the men's one. Fair enough. So this this is where it gets real interesting, because now we're moving into the teams who we presumably think will be in the UMAC Conference Tournament this season. And again, as it stands, Wyatt, for what it's worth, it lists on the UMAC website. We're going back to the traditional semifinals Wednesday championship on a Saturday. No playing game though. 
no playing for, for what it's, it's just worth through like four. you said ryan i mean who <laughs> it knows? could change this, this could very easily change so i'm not holding my breath on anything but it, it, go go ahead i have coach garish's club the martin luther college knights moving on up to number four making a leap from where they were a season ago where they finished sixth in the conference but wyatt we heard it from Coach Call. I can't remember if we heard it from Jones or Grove as well, but how well they were playing down the stretch last season. Now, it didn't necessarily always end up in wins for them, but they gave Northwestern all they wanted and more in the Erickson Center in the regular season finale, and then they lost in the first round of the UMAC playoffs at North Central, and you talked about them a little bit when you had them picked at seventh, which, oof, for these Knights fans listening, like, Yikes! That Wyatt is not their favorite. Anyway, hey, hey, on. hey, hey! Well, we'll see how it goes. That's all. That, you got him at number four, so I mean, we'll see yeah. who's closer. I guess by the end of the year. Wyatt, get this: the Knights bring back all five of their leading scorers from last season. That's a lot of production. That's the opposite. I like of North production. Central. That's a big piece of Thanksgiving pie, Wyatt, with some whipped their cream. Their pie looks too. a lot different than North Central's. <laughs> that's for sure. And, you know, you talk about Heckendorf earlier, and obviously she's a big piece, and I think, you know, she's the straw that stirs the drink, and she played the most minutes for them in their most recent win this past weekend. A really good road win at Lake Forest. She plays 36 minutes, but why? This is almost more encouraging to me. She fouls out alongside three of her teammates. Heckendorf only scores three points, yet they put up 79, shoot 45% from the field, 50% from downtown and still find a way to win the game when three of their players fouled out and you could argue their best player only had three points. And they still find a way to get darn near 80 on the road to win a game. A lot of good things. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of good things. I'm not going to refute any of that. It's good to see, and we'll we'll see if that's something that can continue. Like, that's what I would say. Is that that sustainable throughout the course of a season? You know what I mean? No. No, it's not, and they need to, you know, clean up how they take care of the basketball. 19 assists, that's nice, but they turned it over 21 times. But, hey, finding a way to win, and, again, I was impressed with what they did down the stretch last year, and I like, you know, in the midst of all this uncertainty with new coaches and whatnot, he's still a younger guy, I guess. I'm not going to get, you know, deep into the weeds on Coach Garish just because, you know, I don't know him that well. And he's another guy, Wyatt, write it down. Another another person that we're going to have to uh, see what we can do and see if we can get him on the pod. But, you know, he's (laughs) – He's in his eighth year, but he's not one of these old guys like Grove or, you know, Jones or Call. And they all they all said that themselves wide, so that's not offensive, okay? I'm not calling them old. They called themselves old when we talked to them. Yeah, no, I, 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 I hey, look, you, you, you're right. We, we, we're not taking shots at anybody on here. At least I'm not. You keep going with this conversation. I'm curious if you're going to dig yourself into a hole here pretty quickly. With some of what you're saying here, but I don't have much else to say. I like the production that's coming back. Some people listening may say, ah, you're putting too much stock into that. But I think Martin Luther College women's basketball is on the rise. And this is as good a year as any for them to plant their flag and say, we're going to be playing in late February in the UMAC semis for the first time in who knows how long I'd have to do some research on that. But where we stand right now, again, with the right to potentially change this, when we come up to early December, I have Martin Luther in the top half 
of UMAC women's basketball. So I can't remember. Was I high on them last year, and you were high on the men's team, or was it flipped? I, I no, you were high on the women's team. I you was. Had, I'm, I'm looking at my notes here as my paper goes flying. Uh, you had Martin Luther. If I, I can read the top my five, I'm pretty here. sure. I think I had him at five. You had Martin Luther a season ago at number six. You had six, them okay. behind Superior at four and Morris at five. Boy, were we both wrong in Morris, and Coach Grove let us hear about it. We'll get it hey, to them. You, it was bit. a prove year, and they proved it. <laughs> I mean, I, I have no regrets about where where I placed them initially going into last year. And, uh, yep. you know, sometimes you got to learn the lessons. So uh, it's funny. It just seems like the biggest storylines with our rankings – are hinging around Martin Luther each year, whether it's on the men's or the women's side. We tend to disagree with them more than any other team, I feel like. Why, you know, the way we do this, some would describe it as unlike any other. I mean, I it mean, is really unique. It's, it's, it, it is, you know, <laughs> now, now that you're saying that, that sounds familiar. I wonder why. But uh, who's your number three? All right, we have the same three teams then yeah. now. In our top three, now it's going to be fun to see what the order is. Who do you got? Now it gets really stressful, Wyatt. I mean, woofta. Like, you can make arguments in any direction, and this is where really the rubber meets the road, in my opinion. And uh, you could interchange these three in any direction. We both have the same three teams remaining. I am not agreeing with the preseason coaches poll. I'm going with... Bethany Lutheran at number three, the team who had five first-place votes. Wow. The team who was the number one seed last year but lost in the semis, still with plenty of experience back. And when we look at their most recent box score, Wyatt, well, actually, speaking of, again, like, you know, when we're recording um, this evening, I was wrong before anyway, not that anyone cares. Northwestern's not playing Scholastica tonight on the men's side. I, I screwed up my dates. Um, Bethany's had a tough start to the season. They're now 0-4 after the result tonight, but they have played a tough schedule. But for what it's worth, Christensen, Schindel, Boykin, Meyer, Cloyd, like they have a starting lineup that they could put together and players that we've seen play big minutes to start this year and at least four out of those five in the starting lineup that I mentioned who are all back after playing a season ago. So yes, why the big gaping hole, they lose not only you know the defending... I think it was, what was it, three straight years after? Yeah, Geisfeld three-peated last year and then the two years before that. It's insane. Yeah, it is insane. Uh, as conference player of the year, but they have Alexis Cloyd back, who's still just a sophomore. She was honorable mention. Haley Meyer is also just a sophomore. So they got two honorable mentions back, and then they got other experienced pieces like Sarah Kotke, like Taryn Christensen, the guard, so they have pieces back to put it together, and you can make an argument. Like, clearly, a lot of people that matter, their opinions matter, if you believe that this is all absolute garbage that Wyatt and I are sharing. Um, they picked Bethany to finish first in the preseason coaches poll, and I can get that too. But I right now, and it these are so close, and I could interchange all of them, it's obviously going to look different. And, you know, people listening to this are going to say, well, thanks, Captain Obvious. But Coach Jones has moved on. And we had a great conversation with him, Wyatt, talking about life without Hannah. And he was saying, you're going to see things with this team this year that look a lot different. And, you know, he didn't say this straight up, Wyatt, but it's a different challenge for him going in because he just he said it straight up. 
if you got a player who's averaging this many points and they're shooting it at, you know, whatever the number he said was, you know, near 60% from the field in the paint and they're never injured and they're always on the floor, like you're going to force feet on the basketball as you should. Well, you're going to be challenged, that being said then, when she leaves the program to figure out what you're going to do next. And I think a lot of it boils down to the big games we saw last year from the Haley Myers, the Ashley Shindells, and the Alexis Cloyds of the world. They're going to have to do more than be just spot-up shooters, but this year, Wyatt, I've talked about the three ball with some teams, especially Bethany. I think they're going to have to be a pretty prolific three-point shooting team in order to make their hay and try to get the number one seed once again in UMAC play this year. And they lost to Stout tonight, but, you know, Shindell is one of those names you look to. She shot the ball a ton down the stretch last year in some big spots. She was 4-6 from deep. That's good. Haley Meyer was 3-8 of from deep. That's good. So they have the players there coming back where you can make an argument for it. But I'm not getting to my next two teams yet, but I think there's some more well-rounded pieces of the other two teams that potentially, by just a hair, I think they come out above Bethany Lutheran. It would be so – it's just so unlike Bethany to have to – I mean, the fact that you even have to say that, you know what I mean, where you're like they have to shoot the three ball really well – to have success. I mean, that's unheard of with the past Bethany teams and Geisfeld, you know what I mean? So just just the fact that you're saying that just shows the different era that they're entering into this year. I'm not too concerned about their slow start from that standpoint. I know they've lost their games early on the season, but they schedule tough and they they're usually ready to go by UMAC play. They they are yeah. an interesting team this year. From that standpoint, though, that you mentioned where they they have a completely different makeup. And, yeah, I think they are going to have to be more effective from outside. There's no question about that. With that being said, I do have Northwestern at number three. I'm sticking with the coaches poll. And quite frankly, I mean, you can say more about them. You actually got to watch them play in uh, one of their games already this year. But this is another team. What was it Coach Call mentioned? They don't have any seniors on the roster. That's the first time that he can think of in his coaching career. So, I mean, that's just remarkable when you think about that. And then you throw in the fact that they had, uh, I'm trying to think who first team was, if you still have that pulled up from last year, because London Roberts were both first team players a year ago, correct? And then who was uh, second team from that roster? So, all gone. I mean, yep. that's that's ridiculous amount of volume that they have to replace. So with that being said, I, there's a couple pieces back for Bethany that I keep them in front of there. And then, of course, Morris has a couple pieces back, and they're building off a of success. So for me, that's why I keep those two in front of Northwestern at this time. Without any seniors, it's going to be really interesting to see how things go. And I think we'll learn a lot about this Northwestern team before we even hit conference play. I would totally agree, Wyatt, and I'm I'm looking forward to that, you know, process like you talked about, and it, it's coming down the pike real quick here, really just about three weeks that we got to watch them before. It's like, all right, now we got to determine when we start that weekend of UMAC play taking place on December the 9th and 10th in the Erickson Center when they play Crown and Morris, like, all right, what's this team made of? There's a lot of young pieces involved with it, and you know, I didn't pick Northwestern at number three, so I'm, I'm not go there exactly yet. You said we would do what we did with the men's, but with the men's, we both had the same two waiting. So how, how do we want to do this? Where you said we want to press pause and talk about those teams before we rank them. Do we want to just talk about, I, I just read what you were doing there. Finish talking about Northwestern and then talk about Morris, and then you and I will each release our one-two. 
Yeah, I mean, I've basically said what I need to say about Northwestern. So, okay. I mean, if if it, it it's interesting because we don't have the same two. You know what I mean? Like we did for the yeah. men's side. So I get what you're saying. It's a little bit different, but. Um, but before here, we'll go back. How about this? I can say a few things about Northwestern, but first, do you want to share your thoughts about Bethany? Then I'll sure. share about Northwestern, and then finish talking about Morris, and then we'll share our one too. Sure. So you want me to talk about Bethany a little bit? Yeah. You know, it's it's one of those things. I trust Coach Jones. We had him on the pod again this year. We had him on last year. He's a guy that works extremely hard, has high aspirations for that program each and every year. They're always going to be working towards that goal of not just a UMAC championship, but making a deep run each and every year in postseason play as well. So uh, they're, they're no stranger to success. They are going to have high expectations. And there are pieces back where I think Hockey and Meyer and, I mean, uh, Cloyd even, Alexis Cloyd, she was an honorable mention player as well. So, I mean, there's, there's pieces back here with this team. It is going to have to come from the outside a little bit more than they're used to in the past. But I think that'll be better for them as well, especially since they know that early in the year because, you know, that was an area last year where as they moved along, maybe that cost them a little bit and they were just so centered on guys. Well, I think being more balanced could eventually help this team moving forward into this year. With Coach Jones being in his 21st season, enough returning pieces where uh, they did get some points from last year that are coming back. I'll uh, that that that's again part of the reason why I have them in front of Northwestern, and uh, you'll find out where I have them ranked in just a little bit here. It's a great point, Wyatt, because we talked about that with Coach Jones. You're forced to be more balanced because one or even two players, for that matter, can't carry the whole load. My question is like, especially down the stretch last year, I would say, and getting to see them play at Northwestern, and then in the conference tournament when we look to them falling to Minnesota Morris. Teams, I think, I don't want to say fully figured out because that would be a lie, but they crack down more on forcing someone other than Hannah Geisfeld to beat them. And you saw the Shindells and the Myers when they were set up, spot-up shooters, the Christiansons, like they were thrust into a bigger role. And now it's like that's every game, and it's even another step to it because it's not, okay, get it into Hannah. She draws a double, oftentimes a triple. You kick it out, they're wide open to shoot it they got to create their own offense and then shoot the ball more and probably more likely than not, you're not going to have the same amount of open looks that you did a season ago. So that's probably, you know, just one last note on Bethany Wyatt. That's probably my biggest question with them, and I'm looking forward to, you know, getting a chance to see them play at some point this season when I can, you know, check out a stream. I don't want to wait till they come into the Erickson Center because that's not happening until mid-January, but it's just seeing who initiates that offense and are they able to set up drive and kick looks and still get multiple open looks from the outside like they had a season ago when you can't just throw it into a post player who's a beast and is going to command a double or a triple because that's not the reality this year for Coach Jones's club. But I agree with you. I mean, there are a few guys that work harder and that are more passionate about, you know, the Division Three model and what, you know, this is all about and all season long and recruiting and the whole nine yards that we talked to him about before this season started, so I, I don't discount anything that he's able to do, and nothing would surprise me. If they're the number one seed, hey, I was wrong, and I'll give credit to him. and I think these top three are all so close. So, that being said, Northwestern, it, they are inexperienced, don't get me wrong. Um, I feel like that, though, is obviously a huge question, but as far as just raw talent goes and across the board, the different lineups that they can set up, 
the size that they have, the shooting that they have, the guard play that they have, if they play to their potential, I think they can win the league. And again, we're not releasing yet our one-two yet at this moment. And it is early in the season. But, you know, like so many teams that I've mentioned, Wyatt, with such a new look, I think we gain a ton actually from seeing them play early this season. And you mentioned it even a little bit ago, and you're so right with Northwestern on the women's side, how much we can learn and we have to learn, quite frankly, before UMAC play even begins. Here's the deal. Like, it is pretty evident, and when it gets late shot clock and when, you know, it's kind of going stale and the ball isn't moving a ton, you know, we talked about it so much on the men's side. It was Noah Ohm late in the shot clock. Go do something for us. Make something happen off the dribble. Find your own shot. That's Lexi Hagen for Coach Calls Club. And yeah. she's going to have all the opportunities in the world. And he talked about her a little bit when we talked with him. I've heard it from other people as well. They really like the improvements that she made to her game in the offseason. And now we wait to see it during the season. And then other pieces filling in. Uh, Grace Landvik, if, if she can be a scorer and a distributor, I would say. I think she's definitely got the scoring potential, especially off the dribble. She's really good, and it's just getting more consistent as a shooter and as a facilitator. And those are the leaders. And then from there, it's who is playing in the four spot, who's playing in the five spot, and then they can you know interchange um, the, the three spot, if you will. But how do they replace you know, Robbie next to Haley that were just so, so good on both sides of the floor, not just the scoring production that we saw, but defensively their shot blocking ability, what they could do, taking the ball away, being able to get some transition buckets. I think they got the pieces, but it's, you know, how quickly they can grow up. And it's so fascinating, Wyatt, because when we talk about Coach Jones, we talk about Coach Call, we are really going to see, and we've seen these, these two guys coach at a really high level, and we – you know, are you know both fans of theirs, I guess you could say it if you want to put it that way, for how much they put into this, but especially this season, for those two guys, with what they did a season ago, what they lost, but still how open the league is, they're different than Coach Grovewhite by a pretty big margin as far as what is being asked of them this season. And don't get me wrong, like, you know, Coach Grove could be saying, Morris fans could be saying, okay, don't act like Northwestern and Bethany don't have returners. They don't have talent back. And especially Bethany has more playing time experience back than Northwestern. But again, I said it before, I'll say it again. That is a thing, but eventually you get to a certain point, Wyatt, and you believe this too. In sports, even when we're talking about freshmen, like I don't know if you say the cliche that some coaches do. Well, when we get to the midway mark, you're no longer freshman. You turn into a whatever you want to label it as, a sophomore or any other term you want to use. That's not exactly what the bid is for Northwestern, but once we do get into the new year, 2023, and you have a chunk of UMAC games under your belt, that matters down the stretch. And we talked about it on the men's side, and that's why I like Crown on the men's side, but by a certain point, why don't you have to say that can no longer be A-level number one excuse? It's part of the equation, but eventually that drops down the totem pole of the reasons why or why not you did not meet the expectations or meet the opportunity that was presented in the season. Yeah, no, I would agree. You can't just continue to use that as an excuse. I mean, I I don't even think it's much of an excuse. It, it is early in the season, but, I mean, you, you play with the players you have and you go out there, and like you said, expectations are different for the programs based on certain things. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I guess I don't have a ton more to say on that specifically, but – 
do you want to talk about Morris a little bit, and then we can you know hop into our one two because I'm already looking. We have uh, we've gone long yes. again here with this one. I didn't think we were gonna <laughs> we were gonna tighten this up a little bit. And it's we easy have, to do, but it's uh, it's easy for us to get going. So uh, for Morris. Like he said, I mean, look, Coach Grove's entering his 17th season. Last year, the most successful to be that close to going to an NCAA tournament. And uh, it's interesting with what they have coming back and just the different pieces that he can work with this year. And is there somebody on Morris's team? I mentioned this earlier on in the podcast. I can't remember what team we were talking about where I said, is there a player or two there that we're not talking about right now that we will be by the end of the season? Could that be the case for Morrison? I almost wonder if that has to be the case if they are to win the whole thing. But this is absolutely a team off of the success they had a year ago with the coach that they have who's been doing this a long time. This is absolutely a team that could very well be the one hoisting the trophy at the end of the year and should, rightfully so, be up there near the top like they are from the coaches in the preseason uh, poll and in our preseason poll as well. What stands out to you when you look at this Morris team entering this season? Yeah, Wyatt, I would start with the word team. I mean, they have a lot of pieces back, and maybe none of them like, jump off the page of like, okay, scoring big numbers, big shooting performances, like top of the list candidate for player of the year. Like That could happen. That could come to fruition but they play the most as a team. And I think you saw that down the stretch last year. You and I were wrong, first off, and so many people were wrong, obviously, to put it that way, in the predictions. And, you know, the absolutely shocking, honestly, if you want to call it that, and just be honest for what they did on that Friday night, the 25th of February, and beating Bethany on the road by double digits, but it's team and it's defense. On the road in that spot, White, having a whopping 13 steals. And it was all led by the Defensive Player of the Year, Jay Quate. She's back. Mallory Anderson off the bench, having three steals. She's back as well. Haley Walschlager, a senior. She's back as well. Jane Sandro, back as well. Like, I could go down the line. They have a full crop of players that are back. And then, you know, most recently, the last box score that I'm looking at here, it's four really experienced players back in Anderson, Sandro, Quate, and Walschlager. And then a freshman thrown into the mix that they like as well. So... We'll see how that you know becomes ironed out once they get into UMAC play, as I'm sure so many different teams. As I'm looking at you know different starting lineups that they have for the first couple of seasons, that's you know the coach's job is to try to figure out different combinations and try to tinker with some things a little bit because you know we've said it before, we'll say it again. Why we want these UMAC teams to play well, we want them to represent well for this conference in the non-conference, and you want to win every time you lace them up. Don't get me wrong, you want to win the basketball game. All that is to be said. You want to do more than anything the best as a coaching staff to have as little questions as possible going into UMAC play. Sure, you're going to have questions, but you got to know how does this combination work together? How does this group of players work together once we get into the season? What works well with, with this group of guards? What works well with this group of forwards? You want to answer all those questions maybe even before you want to just win the ball game at all costs, in my opinion. Like, they want to win. Don't get me wrong. That's always the priority. But for Morris, it's a team more than maybe any other group from what we saw a season ago to what they have coming back and how they're going to play together and how that experience is going to show, speaking of experience again, and then defensively. The beauty of Morris basketball, Wyatt, they don't have to, and quite frankly, I don't think they want to have to score you know, 75, 80 points to win 
you know, a lot of these games against the upper echelon teams. They can from time to time, night to night, but I wouldn't say that is necessarily the MO of Coach Grove's club. And when they started to switch to that three-quarter court, not a full-on press, but kind of bait you near the half-court line, and they use their length, and they have an ability to take the ball away and steal possessions. And I know we kind of got hung up on that last February, and you and I went back and forth. Well, can you steal possessions, really? Is that actually a thing? But that's how I label it, at least. Do we see more of that this year? That's what I'm looking for with this group. Are they the best defensive team? And do they find a way to constantly win games where they're only maybe scoring in the 60-65 range when they're playing the Northwesterns, the Bethanies of the world, the, the UW Superiors, the teams who we think, the Martin Luthers, in my opinion, they're going to be near the top half. Can they win games by scoring near that number because they're going to be so good defensively again? We'll wait and see. So do you think they can? Do you got them number one? Or do you have them in number two? What do we got here? Or do you want me to go first? <laughs> No, I can go first, but this is where I'm going to ask for the first time. Where do you think I have my one-two? You heard I have Bethany at three. I think you're probably going mm, mm. Northwestern mm. two, Morris one. Yeah, that's correct. I have Minnesota Morris number one after falling in the UMAC final a season ago. I always talk about questions that I have. Sure, we'll wait to see it but I'm almost the least concerned about what I'm seeing in the non-conference from them versus these other teams, especially in the top half. I have the least amount of questions about them. I have Morris as number one and Northwestern as number two. But again, from Morris to Northwestern to Bethany, and that's the order that I have right now, it is so razor thin. You could mix match those in any direction and you could have reasons for it that would make sense. So, Mr. Wyatt, you have, in my opinion, I think you are going Bethany number one and Morris number two. That is incorrect. I got Bethany wow. two, Morris okay. number one. Roll Cougs. We're, we're All on right. the Minnesota Coach, Morris. Coach Grove, we're not fading you this year. All right? I can't remember if he was the one that told us to you know make sure we provide bulletin board material for him and stuff. Well, we're, we're providing some, but maybe it's the kind he doesn't want his players to hear. You know, the rat poison, as uh, it's called. You know, he wants them to stay focused. So... Uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm in on the Cougs revenge tour after being so close a year ago. Uh, I think that, uh, they, they have a chance to do something special there. My preseason number one, like you said, very thin, uh, as far as, uh, up near the top, the, the difference between some of those top teams. And quite frankly, like I said, uh, the top five that I have, I could see any one of those five winning it. And I can't really make an argument at this point. Uh, one way or another so I think it really is wide open it's going to be a fun year that's for sure though so that's our eight through one a lot of parody it's going to be interesting to see how much this changes before the conference season starts because we're going to learn a lot more we're going to see some more box scores results maybe get to watch some of these games and it's really going to start to shape our opinion on some of these teams so this is really just the you know rough edit or the raw cut you know if you want to call it that and it's it's going to be interesting to see how this changes over the next month before we make our final predictions heading into conference play so with that being said conference player of the year you want me to roll with this one or what do you think here should i should i get right to it don't let me stop you go ahead all five of the first team players a year ago gone like you said the only one that's back from the second team as well is christian at superior uh, there's only a few people, quite frankly, back in general that I think you can even have in this discussion. And I went back and forth a little bit, but I am going to give 
Remember where I had superior in, in, in my rankings? Four. I think, yep, and and if in order to do that, Christian's going to have to have a monster year, I think, to have him there, and they could maybe even sneak up a little bit higher than that. I think if they do that and she puts <coughs> up big numbers, we're not looking at like a Hannah Geisfeld who's going to run away with it stat-wise. I don't think anybody's going to stuff the stat sheet night in and night out in this conference this year. So I think if Christian does that, leads them to the top four, leads them to a playoff spot, maybe they do something crazy, she could win it. I'm going to take her as my preseason player of the year and again the only returner of the theoretical top 10 i guess from a year ago first team second team is christian she's back i'm gonna pick her as my preseason player of the year what say you wow how easy how convenient Wyatt. you just started listing off names gone 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 oh wait there's one that's back let me pick her that's hey. all that's all the thinking it took hey and, and, you know, I know you're joking to a certain extent, but quite frankly, there's there's not a lot of options. I mean, there is, obviously, but there's not a lot of clear-cut options like there are on the men's side where it's like, okay, we, we know some of the elite players coming back. This year, the elite players from last year are all gone, so it's a little different. Yeah, I got to be honest, Why this is, this is really, really tough because – we talked about it on the men's side with, you know, the guys at the top and our opinion that are going to get the most volume. Volume matters. And you mentioned there's not going to be many players who are just going to, you know, absolutely load up the stat sheet and put up eye-popping numbers. And that's why it makes this so compelling and so difficult, honestly, to, to figure out who we got and who we're going to decide. Um, wow. Um this is really tough for me, but just, you know, in the, the minimal research I've done, and I've, you know, seen Northwestern, they're the only team that I've seen play live in a gym so far this year. I think Hagen could have the volume, but I'm not sure that it's going to end in a way where she's going to be the player of the year. She could be potentially. I had this team number three, but I'm going to go – with Haley Meyer, just based on what I've seen earlier this year, what I remember from a season ago out of her, I think she could be really good from deep. She's going to get a lot of looks, and she's going to be on the floor all the time and tough to take out for Coach Jones's club. Uh, give me Haley Meyer as the player of the year, and I got to say, like, this was really tough for me, and uh, I don't know how this is going to go. So that is what I have, though. And I should sound more confident. Haley Meyer, Player of the Year, Bethany Lutheran. <laughs> well, and, and and no, I get it because, like you said, there's so many unknowns and whatnot, and that's one of them that I think is absolutely in the running for for this award and contention. And, again, maybe things will change. We're not picking this again, but we may know more a month from now and realize, oh, wait, maybe we I should hope have. We do. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. And it's like, oh, maybe we missed a clear-cut option. And even when we do our fantasy teams, you know, there's going to be people we leave off, and then a week or two into that we'll be like, shoot, we missed a couple of easy ones <laughs> Well, the good thing here, is we're so. going to wait a little longer to, to draft those yes. teams. So we'll find yes, out a little but, more. But it never fails is all I'm saying. So uh, it's, it's going to be a fun race. And, I mean, last year it was kind of a foregone gone conclusion right I mean it was it was Hannah Geisfeld I mean regardless of if uh, you wanted to believe that or not but I mean that that's just the reality I mean everybody knew it going into the season and right from basically the first game moving forward the rest of the way she had it so um, with that being said yeah I I think that's that's going to be a fun and unique race to keep an eye on if we go to coach of the year 
so many options, Ryan, because like you said, we're both the believer that it doesn't have to be a championship team in it, yeah. order to be coach of the year. And look yeah. at how many first-year coaches there are this year. Well, and quite frankly, Wyatt, if I'm going to be honest, more often in this league, I wish it wasn't just the champion. Yeah. Like, let's let's do someone who they exceeded their expectations with the hand that they were dealt and how they finished that season, and let's not get so caught up on, well, but if another team won the championship again, clearly they were the best coach. Well, yeah, I don't want to take anything away from the champion coach, and, like, obviously they're worthy too in their own way, but you got to look at the hand they were dealt. Like, I'm interested to hear yours. Like, man, is, is why I can go all in? Because if Superior makes the UMAC tournament – as the four seed, and let's say they pull off an upset or something, or does that even matter potentially? Wyatt, she's like literally like our age. Yeah, if, I'm aware. If, if Coach Carpenter gets her club to the UMAC tournament, I mean, it may not even matter. Then let's say they get beat by, you know, 10 by Morris or something in the, in the semifinals, but they win, you know, double-digit games or something in UMAC play and are multiple games above 500, and Kaylin Christian has a fantastic year. Just give her the award, right? I mean, you know, not to well, knock on these other guys, but like, here's the thing. Go ahead. <laughs> my, my my pick is Coach Grove, and it, it, all that could happen. But here's the deal: if Morse wins it for the first time ever, and I know I I think they vote on it before the conference tournament even starts. But uh, you know, how do you this wouldn't be his first. You know, this wouldn't be his first UMAC title, right? At Morris, though, right? I'm almost positive he's he's won before. Let me I'm double checking here as, as you talk about that. Um, For some reason I he's led them to they... six regular season conference titles, two conference tournament titles. Okay, you know I did not know that. There. I guess I didn't realize that. So I always thought in, it was in just the early superior. 2010s they were a juggernaut. They were. They won 2010 to 2015. Wyatt, they won the regular season every year. They won six in a row. Huh. And but they only won the tournament titles in two of those years, 2011 and 2015. So okay. they've been waiting for a well, while in the past chunk of time, but can he win it again for the first yeah, time Yeah, no, 15? it just because in our era, and it's funny because, yeah. I mean, our era was literally right after that as far as when we started exactly. watching UMAC basketball. So that's why it didn't ring a bell with me or anything because I didn't uh, obviously watch any of uh, that back then. But uh, with that being said, that does change things a little bit for me now because uh, it, you're right. If Christian and uh, Leeds uh, Superior and Carpenter gets into a position where – uh, you know, they have all this success, and it's like, well, maybe she should get it then and deserve it. So I don't know, I guess. I, it, it's very interesting. What do you think is going to happen? Who do you have as as your pick? You don't want to change yours? I mean, I'd have to get my white out. I already wrote I, I, pen, Well, but. I, I'm aware that you wrote <laughs> mine in. No, I actually probably, I'm, I'm thinking. That's why I'm saying you need to pick so okay. that I can, you know, figure things so, out here. I said all that, and you can call me a fraud or whatever. I'm going to go with Coach Grove, and I almost think it's, you know, a culmination of what has happened. You could even go back to last year. I mean, who, you know, now I'm second guessing myself. Was it Bruner last year? I got to figure this out. It was, uh, it was Coach Jones. Okay, never mind. Yeah, I was second guessing myself. Coach Jones won Coach of the Year last year, um, for what it's worth. I just confirmed on that. But I'm going with Coach Grove. Um, you could say. That's the easy one based on what you and I just did in our exercise. But, hey, Wyatt, again, to go back to the preseason poll, they weren't number one. They were the team who was in the UMAC final a season ago, has almost all those pieces back from that game, 
The team who they played against, I don't want to, you know, say they're in absolute dire straits, but there's a ton of question marks and a ton of pieces gone, coaching and players-wise, for North Central. So from just those two nuggets, you could say, why wouldn't it be Morris to win the conference? And then if they're going to win the conference, why can't it be Coach Grove? Getting that monkey off the back, if you want to call it that, winning their first title since 2015. Hey, I hear you. I'll I'll keep Grove. I'll, I'll keep it with Grove. Okay. I you there. There's a lot of first year coaches that I think are up for it, and it doesn't have to be a championship team. Ironically, my two choices on the men's and women's side, though, are both the champions, or at least the teams I think that are preseason number one. So, uh, I guess uh, I went that route anyways, <laughs> even after saying all of that. So, uh, with that being said. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, that's that's what I got, and for the most part, quite frankly, that's really all I got for this preview. I don't know. I mean, you got anything else for us, or is that pretty no, much I it? No, I really don't. He can't be mad at us this year. No, that's not the point of this whole bit. But, hey, we're not fading you this year. The pressure's on. Morris fans, Coach Grove, the pressure is on. Oh, is it ever. They're feeling the heat now, Wyatt. If they weren't already, they are big time feeling the pressure. Hey, you, they need to perform. <laughs> They need to perform. There is expectations there. There is a sense off of the season that they had that they can take it to the next level and get back on the mountaintop. You know what I mean? So absolutely, uh, especially yeah. with how open it's going to be. So yeah, I mean there there's there is a little bit of pressure maybe added in with that. And we'll see how they handle it. Absolutely, yeah. I you know the 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 weekend slate's interesting. There's a lot of tough tests, and then there's some games that I think are. Not maybe gimme wins, but I would almost call them gimme wins for UMAC clubs. And when we look at the UMAC v Mayak, uh, still still room to improve. I guess we could put it that way. But uh, early, it's early. We're it is early. We're doing all right. And you know, we appreciate the folks' patience. Why? Just for some some housekeeping here. We have done now both the previews we needed to do. So when you next hear us on, we're gonna get more into the nitty gritty, and we're gonna really start to make some bold proclamations, as Wyatt likes to do early in the season about what's going on with the teams. And it's not just going to be all this 5,000 foot view, but we got to start at 5,000 feet, Wyatt. And then eventually you and I have to have the courage to put on the parachute and jump out of the plane. And we got to slowly make our descent. And then we got to be on the ground by the time we hit UMAC play deal. So we got, you know, 5,000 feet in the air right now. We got to reach the ground alive. Okay not freaking out by the time we hit early December. So we, we just little by little need to start to descend. Does that work for you? You lost me. You know, you're, you're throwing out all these metaphors. It's late. I, yeah, yeah, it works. It works. It works for me. Let's wrap this one up. Fair enough. I'll stop making uh, any more metaphors. We are looking forward to uh, breaking down more UMAC basketball, getting into more of a regular week-to-week rhythm beginning next week. As we mentioned multiple times, Throughout this podcast, Wyatt and I are looking forward to talking to some more coaches, some new new faces into the league. But as always, if you have any new ideas for this podcast, if there's a player, if there's a coach where you think you guys have got to talk them, you got to ask them this. I want to hear this on the podcast. This is for the people. As Wyatt and I have said before, and we'll continue to say this year, we started this for the people. It always will be for the people and to serve you with what you want to hear as far as when it comes to UMAC basketball coverage. So our inbox is open. We check it daily. Send in any feedback that you have about the show. We would appreciate it. U-A-O, the UMAC at gmail.com. Or you can find us at Twitter at U-A-O, the UMAC. It is unlike any other, the UMAC. You can search. 
give us any feedback, suggestions. We do encourage you to subscribe to the podcast wherever you find your podcast. Hit that download button so you can listen wherever you go without worries of having data or not having data. We want to help you out there and we appreciate the support early on this season. We're looking forward to continue to build this thing and we're just getting rolling. It's a marathon, not a sprint. We are in the midst of the descent. We're getting ready for UMAC play, but we're not anxious. The dream is in the process and we appreciate you moving along with us as we continue to break down the league that truly is unlike any other.